0: blog talk radio okay The Nelson Dewey Show. Today, I'm really thrilled about the show we are going to have uh, because the book that we are going to be talking about is a book that I believe every Christian in the world should read. Uh, I usually say every Christian in America, but every Christian in the world should read this book. is dynamic and it reveals things that most of us never think about. Uh, But I'm going to welcome uh, Lynn Gentry here. I was hoping that Lisa Harris could be with us too, because Lynn and Lisa wrote this book together, but uh, it wasn't possible for Lisa. Uh, First, I'm going to introduce them through their bios. Lisa Harris Is the best selling author of the Nikki Boyd Files, and those are wonderful. Three time Christie Award winner nominee and winner for Dangerous Passage, and two time winner of the best inspirational suspense novel from Romantic Times. And that's quite a, a, a feather in her cap because that's hard to get. She and her family live in southern. Africa, where they have been involved in church planning and humanitarian work for nearly fifteen years and uh both Lynn and I have been uh supportive with Lisa and her husband in that work uh they do some amazing things, and people can uh, uh really invest in some of the extra projects through, isn't it ECHO? Isn't that what it's called, Lynn? Okay. ECHO Echo Project. Project. And uh, you you need to find out about that because uh, it's wonderful when we can provide milk for a baby that, you know, a formula for a baby that the mother can't nurse or, or supplies for this and supplies for that. That's above and beyond what their ministry Usually consists of. It's it's a great work, and uh, of course, prayers are always needed for missionaries in Africa. Uh, you remember you remember the the theme thing of uh, Lord, I, I want to I want to work for you, but please don't send me to Africa. Um, <laughs> uh, this is they did send Lisa and her husband and. Their work in Africa has opened my eyes to so many things. And I would love to have all of y'all join us in praying for them. Now, Lynn Gentry is an actor-director who turned fiction author. Actually, we have a lot in common because I've been an (laughs) actor-director and I turned fiction author, of course, many years before she did because I'm a lot older than her. She loves using her crazy imagination to entertain audiences with her books. Her works range from the highly praised time travel series to laugh out loud romantic comedies. And let me tell you, I had said (laughs) there could not be a Christian time travel that I could agree with because it didn't fit with my ideas. Uh, Of God, of course, I do believe that so often we put God in a box. And I just did not think there could possibly be a time travel series that I could enjoy or agree with. And Lynn proved me wrong. (laughs) That was the first time travel I read that I loved. And it was done in such a way that I could believe that God could do that. That way, and so you might look Lynn up on on the uh, the internet and on on Amazon and wherever, and get a hold of her time travel books because they're awesome too. Uh, when she's not creating, she's laughing with her family or bringing joy to others with her medical therapy dog. Now, Lynn, I said I was going to throw you a question that we didn't discuss. How did you become involved with a medical therapy dog? Well, um,
1: my husband works for the Baylor Hospital System, and we had rescued this Great Pyrenees, uh Golden Retriever Mix, and uh, we took it to a 5K run, and there we met the animal director, the director of animal therapy at Baylor, and she <sighs> loved my dog, and she asked me if I wanted to get involved and I didn't even know what that was that Baylor has over a hundred dogs in the program. And so I took wow. dog Roman through this extensive training and I was trained and then we had to test and certify. And anyway, he's been doing it for about four years and we love it. He works the cancer center at Salmon's.
0: That is so awesome because I do know I had, I had heard and I do know that, uh, the, uh, medical therapy animals can make such a difference to people who are going through hard times because the warmth of the relationship between uh, people and the animals and uh, it just brings them out of themselves for a while where they can uh, have some fun and y'all all all know fun is a great healer. (laughs) Yes. Well, it says laughter's the best medicine, but I think fun is uh, the great healer because God gave us fun, Uh, and I and I thank Him for that. Okay. Me too. We want to talk about this book, Ghost Heart. It's a book that um, we I first knew about it because Lynn and Lisa were writing it together Lisa in Africa and Lynn in the United States and Lynn was in my critique group at that time so we were critiquing the parts of the story that Lynn was writing and I was so wanting to know the parts of the story that Lisa was writing and and uh, there was there was a long time from the time we were critiquing that before the, the book ever came out, and I kept waiting and waiting because I knew it was a book that needed to be written and needed to be published. So tell us a little about uh, the your co-authored medical thriller, Ghost Heart.
1: Well, it's the story of um, albinos in Tanzania who are ruthlessly hunted by human poachers that uh, slaughter them for their body parts. And uh, in Tanzania and several places in Africa, albinos are considered cursed in when they're living, but their body parts are considered blessed or they bring uh, wealth to a person who possesses like a piece of hair or a little bit of skin. And so the witch doctors send out people to, Hunt these albinos down and slaughter them. And uh, in 2008, how this came to my knowledge was I saw a picture in the Dallas Morning News of an albino. And albinos are so rare in the United States. And it caught that in itself, caught my attention. But when I saw this terrified look on this al- running albino's face, I wondered what in the world. And I read the story about what was happening in Tanzania and I thought this cannot be true and I emailed Lisa who lives in Mozambique which butts up to Tanzania and said is this true and um, she she said I don't know and she did some research and when she found out it was true we were both absolutely appalled and I said do you want to write a story together Lisa and she goes well I don't usually write with anyone and I said I don't either but you live in Africa, you could give this that sense of authenticity that I could research and research and never really could lend to the story. And so we started kicking around this idea of what if the human poachers decided to up their profit margin and funnel the body organs of albinos into the American black market transplant tourism trade, which is very high in Africa. And this story just emerged, and we we both spent several months
0: just pouring our hearts into it. And that's the story. Yeah, that's the story, and it is. It um, both of these authors, uh, listeners, they are uh, amazing writers. They're wordsmiths. Their books pull you in to the situations and they carry you through whether they're writing a romantic comedy or if they're writing a uh, a romantic suspense which Lisa writes a lot of those and mm-hmm. and you go right along with them in that story their their characters are so real they're they're living beings in your mind they just come to life they're so uh well written and so when when i read this story it was like wow wow it was really it was and it was hard to read in places uh in some places yeah. it was hard to read uh but i kn- i knew both of these authors and i knew both of them had done extensive research and i knew both of them prayed as they wrote Yes. So that the story would be as close to the truth as it could be. Uh, and so this, uh, this is a story that everyone, I've said this several times, I keep repeating myself, but it's the truth. Everybody should read about it. Uh, why did you feel that writing about the atrocities happening to albinos was a story that needed to be told? Well, you know, I've never been
1: to Africa, and um, it's easy to discount. I I know there's famine in Africa. I know there's corruption in Africa. I know that there's a lot of poverty in Africa. And in America, it's easy to discount it. But what I cannot (laughs) stomach, what he, of how people are treated based on their skin color and I just really felt that God doesn't see us as our skin color God sees us for who we are inside and I just I felt that this story had the potential to bridge that and because I believe in the intrinsic worth of all of us because God values all of us and that's why the story had to be written
0: that's right I appreciate all you have I agree with you I so agree with you uh, and I, I'm not trying to be political here but what is going on in the United States that has to do with skin color grieves me yes. because yeah. I, I have close friends who are uh, Asian descent I have close friends who are black and I have close friends who are of of, uh, Spanish descent you know the and I'm just I don't look at them and see the color of their skin I see their intrinsic value I see into their hearts Uh, and Mm -hmm. one time I asked God Lynn, I'm always asking God things, Lynn. <laughs> but I ask God, because I, I tended at one point in my life to judge people, not necessarily on the color of their skin, if they were too heavy, because I was overweight a lot of my life. And it was usually things that were bad in me that I, I judged in other people and that kind of thing. And I asked the Lord, and it's been several years ago, and it, it was a turning point in my life. I asked him to let me see them yes. through his eyes, mm-hmm. through his eyes. So when I look at anyone, any person standing in front of me, I'm looking at them through the eyes of God because he he gave me that gift, that discernment, and I cannot, I mean, when when people are judging other people, so harshly for all these reasons, it grieves me. It really grieves me. Okay. I think
1: all of us deal with a level of prejudice, and I was really surprised at uh, my own prejudice that writing these characters revealed, and I I would love to pat myself on the back and say, oh, I too have friends of all different ethnic backgrounds and I too don't see their color but like you said we we it's human nature to judge to compare ourselves like Cain and Abel in the original you know murder compared themselves but I really saw that this this annihilation of a people group is so reminiscent of like uh, the Holocaust and things like that. And I see how easy it is to target a a weaker people group and uh, take advantage of them. And so Lisa and I really wanted to be the voice for those who have no voice. And that's what tickles us so much that this is finally published. It's been a long road. We wrote it in 2008, and it didn't come out until 2017. So we're we're really tickled and really thrilled at how well it's done, how many people have contacted us and said, how can we get involved? Yay. And um, we've just really been thrilled by that response.
0: Oh, that is wonderful. Well, now back to the subject of the book, what is happening to stop this practice? Is anything? Well, um,
1: things happen very slowly there you know in a lot of ways it's uh, it mirrors our own political system in that it's it's very slow to um make changes it's slow to uh annihilate people's uh impressions their prejudice. and so yes it is uh it's very difficult and is it going to happen overnight no but yes there are there are some things that are happening uh to, um, to make it uh, a better place, Amnesty International uh, has stepped uh-huh. in, and uh, the United Nations of Human Rights uh, has stepped in. And, uh, you know, there's, there's been some uh, laws set in place to protect albinos, but a lot of that- this um, happens behind closed doors. Unfortunately, it's family members who will turn in their own albino relatives and Mm. make it possible for the poachers to come in the night and do what they need to do to harvest the body parts. Yes. Wow. And and that is is how do you change people's hearts. And that's where you and I agree that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that changes people's hearts. And we're so excited by the possibility of this light being shown in this dark area because like me, many of us don't even have a clue that this is going on.
0: In the world. We have yeah. no idea. Well, and that's why when Lisa and, and her husband are on the front lines there. And yeah. they're the ones who are shining a great deal of light in the spot yeah. where they are planted right now. And that's yeah. why we, we need to protect, protect them through mm-hmm. prayer and we need to support them in any way that we can. And any missionaries that, uh, people might know in other parts of the, of the world, you know, I've, I've had missionary friends in several places, uh, I, China and, and the Philippines and uh, Mexico and, di- you know, different places. And we need to really support those people in prayer and any other way that we can support them because yes, you're yes. right. The light of Jesus, that's it.
1: Yes absolutely
0: yeah uh, one little okay. soul at a time yes. yeah yeah and even here in our neighborhoods we mm-hmm. need to be a shining yeah. light your neighbors need to know that you're Christians you you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying when you go into stores yeah. people need to know that there's something about you that you're different that you don't come in Complaining and gripping and ugly, which is a whole different show.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, that's
1: right. That's right.
0: Uh, how did does co-writing a book differ from writing on your own?
1: Oh, my goodness. There's so much difference, um, especially when you put two different kind of writers together. Lisa's an extensive plotter. She she can't hardly even write the first sentence of a story until she has it all plotted out. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, a pretty detailed synopsis, and uh, that's one reason she can write so fast, is she spends a lot of work on the front end. I, on the other hand, usually start with a title. I have the first line. The Lord kind of gives me the first line. I can see the character in my head, and I just start
0: writing. So... <laughs>
1: Those are yeah. way approaches to writing.
0: Yeah. And, you um, know I think because we are in drama, we've been involved mm-hmm. in drama and video and all kinds of things like that. There's a video in our head
1: <laughs> that yes.
0: where where it lives it it lives out. And uh uh I, I don't know you but I get to you know, I'll get through this scene and I'll go I know what's coming next, but I'm like, okay, God, how are we going to get from here to there? <laughs> <And> he <laughs> yes. has to give me the transitions. <laughs> Things uh, like that. Yeah. I understand. Yes. Yes. Um, um,
1: you know, we live on different continents in different time zones. And <laughs> when we were writing this book originally in 2008, we didn't have. Uh, it's great a communication system so we we had to do a lot of email and we did we started out emailing back and forth extensive emails and uh, she would send me an email at night and I would get it in in the morning and, and I'd send her an answer in the morning and she'd get it it'd be nighttime there and so it was it worked out but uh, when we finally were able to Skype that really made things better and that and now we can FaceTime
0: and so it, it's it's super easy, a lot easier. To yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, as as co-authors, uh, it question you have here is how did you do, do the actual writing of the book? But um, I think it would be interesting for them to know about what part of the book you wrote as opposed to what part of the book she did.
1: Well, um, it's a multicast, which, you know, made it pretty easy for us to divvy up. But we decided the smartest thing to do was, since she lived in Africa, that she would take the African characters and anyone who was based in Africa so that she could really land that authentic feel to it. And uh, I, on the other hand, my daughter's a doctor and my husband's, in a surgical education. So I had access to the medical end of it. And uh, it made sense for us to divvy that up. We, we knew right off the bat that our hero and heroine had to have two different voices. And so we just kind of uh, put it in a hat and I got the heroine and she got the hero and we divvied that up so that they would have different voices, but it worked out. And then what was so funny about it is, um, we critiqued each other's stuff obviously and then uh 10 years later we actually decided to publish this book we got the opportunity to publish it and we just bled red over all of it it didn't matter who wrote what anymore and so that really gave it this really cohesive feel and uh because uh-huh. it's really hard to sit there and say, "I can't really go through it anymore and say, "Oh, I wrote that line, isn't it beautiful?" or Oh, Lisa wrote that line, isn't that amazing i can't I can't tell you that anymore it's It's our book now,
0: wow, that's cool, that's really cool. Yes, it was very cohesive i, I There was no way I could pick out who wrote what in that, and I know both of your writings, both of you. Have mm-hmm. been yeah. mentored by me, um, we have
1: different voices, but yet it feels like one yeah. voice
0: still yeah yeah yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit about you. How long have you been writing Lynn
1: well i I never really wanted to be a writer, but I've always been a storyteller so i've I've written for years uh, dramatic works, musicals, things like that, but I didn't start novel writing until 2002 and it was actually Lisa's fault I wrote a musical and I cast her as my angel and when it was over she's very shy she was very shy back then and she came up and she said I think you should write a a book and I'll help you and so uh, we went to church together at the time this was before she moved to Africa and I said well yeah I'll try writing a book and she she was helping me and then she up and moved to Africa and so I was on my own so since 2002 i I've, I've actually been writing fiction and i i just would never look back i love
0: it so what other books have you written tell tell us some a little about that well course, i've written your your time travel tell us about your time, time yes. travel <laughs> i
1: wrote the carthage chronicles and uh that's a series about a 21st doctor 21st century doctor that falls into a third century plague and that was really a fun series. There's five books in that series. But before that I traveled and toured with a a romantic I mean a romantic comedy uh monologue and I turned that into a book that Tyndale bought years ago and I got the rights back to that recently and I expanded that single book into a series on uh it it's about a, it's a small town romantic comedy series. It's set in Texas, Mount Hope, Texas. And now I'm just finishing up uh another uh women's fiction series called the Women of Fossil Ridge and it's about um a daughter who has to come home and uh take care of her mother with dementia and they've had an estranged relationship. So that's that's what I'm finishing up right now.
0: Yeah, she's she's very versatile, listener. She's very versatile, <laughs> that's for sure. I don't know if that's uh, a are, good thing. <laughs> it is it is a good thing. Uh, you know, they, a lot of times when you traditionally publish, the publisher wants to put you in a slot. Yeah. They they want to keep you one, you know, you write this and that's all you write. And uh, I've never liked that because I, mm-hmm. I think my slot is characters who grip your heart. So they could be mm-hmm. in uh, his, historical Denton. Or they could be in contemporary mid cities. <laughs> Two right. of my books, I mean, it just came out this month. One was in historical Denton, Texas, in 1896, and the other one is contemporary here in the mid cities. And they they both have characters who grip your heart. So, um, right. are you and Lisa going to write some any more books together? Well, yes, we are.
1: Um, when we originally <laughs> planned. This ghost heart. We planned a three book series, and so we're hoping to sneak uh, sneak away this fall and bang out the next book's actually plotted, and we're uh, we're ready to start writing it. We just have both had a lot of family issues come up, so. But yes, yeah. yeah. yes, we are. We cool. tr- we are really really good friends, and I could not ask for, I, as a writing partner. I don't know. We just we just very. We sync together. Now that doesn't mean we agree on everything, and we we've been known to dig yeah. out a few plots here and there, but um, yeah. we just really you're
0: you're compatible. Yes, That's we're very compatible. The, yeah. very compatible. Uh, I really, I would like to talk to you another half hour. Our time is coming <laughs> to an end. I want you quickly to give <clears throat> some contact information to the miners. Okay. Well, in a minute uh, you can.
1: Okay. Uh, you can Google Lisa Harris or Lynn Gentry, and you know find our websites pretty easy. And um, I just hope that you pray for this book. It's a Carol finalist. We're both super, super excited about that.
0: Oh, and, Ghost Heart uh, is the, the Carol finalist. It oh, is. Thank you, it, oh. I wish I could go to the conference is. now, but I can't. You call me when you find out
1: okay Okay. we have
0: 25 seconds left I just love you and Lisa so much and I thank you for coming to show and sharing with my listeners about this amazing book well you have blessed
1: both of our lives we would not be writers today were it not for Lena Nelson Daly so thank you ever ever so much
0: my friend Alrighty, thank you, thank you.